Yeah, amen. Now, it doesn't matter where I am. I'm in a different city and state every week. I always start with the same question, so today it's the case. I need to know at the outset, how many happy people do I have? Wave your hand like this if you're happy. Uh Now, some of you didn't wave your hands. I'm not sure if that means you're not happy or you're just out of the will of God. So I'll give you another run. If you're happy, wave your hand like this. Amen. How many of you got something to be happy about? Amen. Anybody here ever pout or feel sorry for yourself? You know, whenever I'm inclined to do that, I think that's the natural condition of man. We sometimes, you know, we feel like nobody knows the trouble I've seen. But here's the deal. Whenever I, I get to feeling sorry for myself, I always thank the Lord I didn't get what I deserved. How many of you glad you didn't get what you deserve? How many of you know we'd all be doing a hurt dance if you actually got what you deserve? See, that's the grace and mercy. Let me hear y'all say, living God. God. Say it like you mean it, a living God. God. How many of you know if you serve a living God, He'll actually give you better than you deserve? How many married men do I have here this morning? Wave your hand if you're married. How many of you guys know you got better than you deserve? Might want to raise both hands, gentlemen. Yeah. (laughs) Glory to God. Well, as he said, my name is Kim Clout, and I think I've been coming here probably 10, 11 years, 12, a while. So this isn't my first time to be here, but how many of you here have never heard me? Raise your hand if this is your first time. Okay, quite a few of you. So real quickly, I'll give you the etymology of my life. I grew up in ministry. How many of you here grew up in church? My dad was a preacher, preached all over the world, 115 countries. I just can't even wrap my head around that, just... How many countries can you name? You know, 115 all over the world. Took him 63 years to do it. He preached 63 years. His dad, my grandfather, preached 78 years. That's how long he lived. He lived 70, excuse me, he lived 98 years and was married for 72 years to the same woman. Drop the mic. How many of you know that's God? <laughs> 72 years, and, and he smiled every day of his life. So the, I come, what I'm trying to say to you is I come from a long line of love. People who love one another, and most importantly, they love God. I grew up in a gospel music family. They're in the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. Uh, didn't have a house till I was seven. I grew up on a bus. They did gospel music all over the world. And our family, if your name's Clout, you make music for Jesus. That's the law. And so I understood that. And though I grew up in church, and many of you raised your hands, you said you did as well, although my dad was a preacher, my grandfather was a preacher, I was rebellious. How many of you here were ever rebellious? And the rest of you are liars. Okay, all right, well, teach his own. I mean, uh, you're in church, so do what you would. But uh, I'm just being straight up. I was rebellious. Uh, I don't know how that is. I got into alcohol, drugs, every terrible thing. In fact, I asked the Lord one time, I said, because my parents were real. They were sincere. And I thought, how did I grow up with this and I became that? And here's what the Lord said to me, and I want you to listen right now with your heart. He said, your problem, son, is you were overexposed but under-responsive to the truth. And he said, that's the recipe for a hard heart. Overexposed yet under-responsive to the truth. How many of you know it would be better for you to never hear the truth than to hear it and not respond? Wave your hand if you got that. So I was rebellious until I was 18. I ran my life in a ditch. How many of you here couldn't wait to get out of your parents' house? I'm free! You can't tell. I'm free! Man, I thought I was free. I did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Turned out I wasn't free. I was in bondage. 
Because I didn't even make it out of the driveway of my life before I drove my life straight into a ditch. And when I say in a ditch, I'm talking about the front wheels of my life were in the ditch, back wheels sticking up in the air. I still have my foot on the accelerator, though, y'all. Party! <laughs> and then some church folk came to me and looked at me, and they said, you're in a ditch. You're going to hell. And I was. But then somebody said to me, but you know, his love goes deeper than your ditch. Come on, y'all. How many of you know, don't, how many of you here have ever been in a ditch? But how many of you know his love goes deeper than your ditch? He got me out and then revealed this call that he'd had on my life from the moment I was conceived. How many of you know that's how God rolls? God says, when you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I'd set you apart. Before your daddy said, it's a boy, God already knew you. And didn't just know you, the Bible says he knew the end from the beginning. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. That means from the moment your dad's sperm joined your mom's egg and the first cell separation took place, boom, from that minute, God has not only known you, but known everything He has for you. Come on, y'all. Let me hear y'all say, that's good. We're in the Carolinas. Let me hear y'all say it like Andy Griffith. Let me hear y'all say, that's good. These kids are going, who's Andy Griffith? Google, Andy Griffith. Who's that? So I grew up in church. Uh, as I said, I was rebellious, but when I was 18, the Lord revealed the call He had on my life. Uh, was shortly thereafter, I started playing a band called Mylon and Broken Heart. Anybody here old enough to remember that band? You either have to have no hair or gray hair to remember them. A uh, couple of Grammy Awards. Uh, I, I realized then that the Lord could use me in music because I, I wanted to play in church when I was a kid, and as soon as I'd walk in the church, I brought my amp and guitar, and the people go, It's too loud! And I said, I haven't even plugged it in yet. <laughs> and so the Lord showed me He could use all kinds of music. Aren't you glad? Amen. So if you're not familiar with our ministry, we have four portions too. We have a Bible teaching ministry. Y'all like good Bible teaching? Amen. Y'all like good Bible teaching? Yeah. Come on, y'all. Uh, as he said, I only brought two CDs. If you know me, I used to bring with rack 10, 12, 15 in there. Only brought two. Look at your neighbor and say, He only brought two. Some of you didn't look at anybody. You're still looking at me in shock. Get over it. Look at somebody and tell them, say, he only brought two. Say, we ought to get both of them. No, not both of them. Both of them. Let me all say, both of them. Uh, there's two of them back there. One is entitled, I've changed my mind. How many know that's what God wants you to do? That's right. Amen? Change your mind. Now, ladies, let's be honest, you've already got a head start on that. Uh, that. That, of course, is your spiritual gift. However, what God is talking about here is casting down the vain imaginations. Lies. I mean, that's what you do when you cast down strongholds. They're just lies. Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God is a lie. Amen? And so the Bible, the uh, CD back here, everybody put your hand on your hip like this. Get kind of a sassy... The two of them have done this before. I can tell you. You went. She not only gave me this, she gave me the. Everybody put your hands on your hip like this. Sir, you don't have your hand on your hip. That's right. Put your hand on your hip. Let me hear you all say, I've changed my mind. It's what God wants you to do. Amen? And, and, and that's, your life's victories are won and lost right here. The world says you are what you eat. The deeper truth is you are what you think. Whatever you think, whatever your dominant thought is, that's where your life is headed, and that is where it will go. If you want to change your life, change how you think. Amen? Uh, the other one is entitled, Increase Your Expectations. 
People tend to get what they expect. Some people come to church, and if they have a good time, they're shocked. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, when I grew up in church, in our church, good time didn't start until somebody said, you're dismissed. That's the first point. Most of them smiled, you know. They woke up and smiled. But how many of you know, if you know who He is, then you know who you are. And you can begin to increase what you expect. Increase your expectations. So there's just two back there. So we have a teaching ministry. We have a music ministry. Speaking of music, give that praise and worship team a hand. Some quality vocals. Very well done. Uh, now, the music I do may not be typical of the church music you grew up with. Let me hear you all say Holy Ghost Soul and Sanctified Blues. I got you covered if you like that. We're going to do a little bit of that at the end. Then we have two outreaches. Jesus said go into all the world, didn't he? Let me hear y'all say, that's what he said. He said, go into all the world. But how many know as many worlds in Lancaster? Parenthetically, can y'all tell I'm cultured? Because I didn't say Lancaster. There's many worlds in Lancaster. How many of you know in your subdivision there's many worlds? I mean, you just pull the blind down and look across and say, baby, that's another world. It's another world over there. <laughs> but the Lord gave my wife and I the edict to go to the first Americans. Who were the first ones? The natives. I like to say the ones that discovered Columbus. Because how many of y'all know that's really the truth? I mean, I know they told you he discovered America. How many of you know what he actually discovered when he was lost? And I don't mean I missed my turn back there lost. If you're on the wrong continent, sucker, you are lost. It may be the first case of political spin when he said, look what I've discovered. And he said that as if though there wasn't nobody here. How many of you know when Columbus washed ashore, there was 500 nations here? Not people, nations. Everyone with their own heritage. Everyone with their own culture. Everyone with their own language. Now, he didn't know where he was. He thought he was in the West Indies, so he called the people he encountered Indians. But I mean, that's kind of a, a misnomer. Now, I know we say American Indian. I have people ask me all the time and say, you minister to the Indians? Yeah. Can you speak Indian? I said, yeah, listen. Or whatever. <laughs> because how many of you understand there's no such thing as Indian? Now, I mean, here in the Carolinas, you got Catawba, you got Seneca, you got Lumbee, you got Cherokee, but how many of you know none of them spoke Indian? There's no such thing. The Cherokee spoke. Cherokee. Come on, y'all, I'm pitching underhanded here. The Cherokee spoke. Cherokee. Now, she mentioned the Lakota or the Sioux people, and you're right, how is how you greet them. I'm going to add you a greeting to that. Let me hear you say, how? How? Kola. 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 means hello, friend. We've had an outreach now to the Native American people of America for 30 years. From the Seminole in Florida to the Choctaw, Mississippi. The Navajo, Pima, Zuni, and Apache of the Southwest. Up in the plains of the Dakotas was where I was born. The Sioux, the Assiniboine, the Crow, the Cheyenne, and the Arikara. And to all of them we take Hwashte. Say that word, Hwashte. Slight H sound first, Hwashte. It also is Lakota. In fact, when we greet them, we say, How kola, hello friend. Wakantanka wanka, hwashte. We come in the name of a God of good news. If there's any, everybody look at me. Native people today are dying to hear good news. That's right. That's true. Operative word there, dying. 
Native American people have the shortest lifespan of any ethnic group in America. 39. Roughly half of the rest of America is the lifespan of Native American people. People say to me, it's diabetes, right? Heart disease. You know what their leading cause of death is? Alcoholism. And not automobile accidents with alcohol. Most of them don't have cars. They literally die of alcohol poisoning, leading cause of death. Among their teenagers, the suicide rate is 13 times the national average. What I marvel at is you never see this on the cover of Time. Fox and CNN and MSNBC and all those folks, they never report at the site of a reservation where another child has taken their life. We were among the Mescalero and Chiricahua Apache a number of years ago. And the day we arrived, the third little boy under the age of 10 had blown his brains out. Had that happened anywhere else in America, you'd be able to visualize them right now and you'd know their name by heart. Because they'd have been talked about so much, you'd have, you'd have remembered their Little League pictures and their Cub Scout pictures. Yeah. I bet you never heard about it. Because incredibly, over 240 years later since this nation was founded, Native American people are still out of sight. And so they tend to be out of mind. And people think of going to the other side of the world to reach the lost when the lost are right here. I think it would be crazy for me to go to downtown Charlotte and start a soup kitchen if my kids were at home hungry. That's true. Come on, y'all. It's what we've done. We've exported the gospel all over the earth. But how many of you know it's never too late to do the right thing? And so we've had an outreach now for 30 years to native people. We believe Jesus died for everybody, however, don't you? So now, ladies, I want you to be... Just be yourselves. Be discerning. Guys, I want you to draw on your inner Sherlock. Do you have an inner Sherlock, brother? Good, all right. Uh, then everybody, I, I want you to go with me on this. If he died for the Indians, by deductive reasoning, what would be the opposite of that? I mean, Newton said for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. So the opposite of the Indians would be, thank you, sir. I guess you're the only one that played the game, Cowboys and Indians, because the rest of y'all go, I don't know. Any Cowboys here? Raise your hand if you're a Cowboy. Somebody raise your hand just to be nice. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Any Cowgirls here? Thank you, ma'am. I am married definitively to a Cowgirl. I'm a Cowboy, and I'm married to a Cowgirl. She's horses 25 hours a day. My wife sings, preaches, does entire services sitting on her horse. I'm talking about for real. 1,300-pound quarter horse. She teaches you the Bible using the horse as the idiom. In other words, the object lesson she uses to break down Scripture weighs 1,300 pounds. How many of you know if the object lesson is that big and that easy to see, you can connect the dots? How many of you here like horses? Raise your hand if you like horses. Well, what's up with the rest of y'all? <laughs> Y'all know Jesus is coming back on one, don't you? Hey, talk among yourselves. How many of you here like horses now? Yes. <laughs> well, you don't have to own one, but I wouldn't say you hate anything God made. Amen? But God can use animals and the animal kingdom to teach us. And my wife has a tremendous gift to do that. She does it through the Internet, a newsletter. She sends all over the world. People on every continent receive it. Last year, 37,000 people worldwide got it. And if you don't, it's only because you haven't signed up. It's free. There's a little sheet back there at the back. Put your email address and write it. 
legibly. I went by her office the other day. She's got a magnifying glass. I said, what are you doing? She said, come here. Is that an A or an E? I said, that's a seven. Uh, so right legibly. If you don't get it, you will get it. And I promise, I'm using the word promise here. I promise it'll bless you. You will enjoy it. So in a nutshell, that's what our ministry is about. We have four outreaches. I've got a good word for you today. Look at your neighbor and say, this is going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Uh, I told you I grew up in church. One of the things I was taught from the outset was Proverbs 18, verse 20. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Proverbs 18, verse 20. And perhaps they can put that scripture. Oh, impressive. There it is. It says, a man's belly shall be satisfied with what? With the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips, he'll be filled. Now, can anybody agree with me? That's kind of weird. I mean, we just read it in church because it's the Bible. We were like, oh, yeah. But how many of you know, that's weird. What's weird about it? Well, the Bible says here that what fills your stomach is what comes out of your mouth. Now, my experience has been the reverse of that. In the natural. How many of you know in the natural realm, it's what you put in your mouth that satisfies you? Agreed? But how many of you know God wants you to move from the natural to the supernatural? Everybody in this side of the room, let me hear you all say, from the natural. natural. Let me hear you all say, to the supernatural. supernatural. Y'all got that line with some swag, so pick it up. God wants us to move from the natural. It's true. In the natural, it's what you put in your mouth that satisfies you. But in the supernatural, it is in fact what comes out of your mouth. The fruit of your lips that brings increase into your life. Now look at the next verse. And he says, therefore, it is in the tongue that we find the power of what? Life and death. Life and death. Can you get any more extreme than life and death? Huh? How many of you know God's all about extremes, life and death? When He spoke to Adam, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you must not eat because what happens if you eat from it? Death. God wanted them to live. How many of you know if Adam and Eve had obeyed Genesis 1 and 2, they'd be sitting next to you this morning? God put into place in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 everything mankind needs to live eternally. So had Adam and Eve obeyed that, they'd be alive today because God has always been about life and death. How many of you know throughout time, throughout the Old Testament, God spoke to the Israelites and said, I've set before you a choice. What was the choice? Life or death. In your mouth is where you make the choice, life or death. Say it, in my mouth. mouth. Now, I was taught this from the time I was a kid. And I grew up in Pentecost. How many of you know what I mean when I say Pentecost? For those of you who aren't sure, this may help. I went to a church where our pastor ended every sentence in his message. Ha! <laughs> Does that help? <laughs> that kind of a thing. Uh, he'd go for 40 minutes and I never was sure what he meant. I just knew. He believes it. I don't know if y'all have ever heard the story of the little boy and his granny. Never been to a Pentecostal church. They didn't know what all you know. They sat on the front row. The guy that was preaching didn't have a wireless mic like I got on. He had a, how many of y'all remember those mics that had a mic cord? 
which means you could only go so far for that cord to get tight. And that preacher was down on the floor like I am, and he was going back and forth like I am, and he went as far as he could over here till the cord got tight. And then he headed back over here. And for 40 minutes, that little boy and his granny just watched him. Like they had a tennis match. And finally, the little boy looked at his granny. He said, Granny, if that dog gets off that leash, will he bite us? So I grew up in Pentecost. And, uh, you know, they told us this kind of stuff. I heard it all the time. But nobody ever explained to me why. How many of you as a kid were ever, why? I mean, wanted to know why. Here's another one. How about this verse? Romans 10, 17. says, faith comes by... Everybody do this. Put your hand up. You were waiting to see if I was going to shake. Yeah, that's right. Everybody put your hand up here. Kind of lean in. Say, What? I've been a guitar player all my life. I always stood with my amps to my right, so as a consequence, my hearing in my right ear is about 40% of what it is in my left ear, Alan. So a lot of times my wife says stuff to me, and I'm like, what? She goes, Kim, put your hand down. I said, well, I'm trying to hear what you say. Well, put your hand down. You look like an old man. She said, that doesn't help anyway. I said, well, of course it does. How many of you know that helps? How many of you know that's why you, the Lord put your ears facing forward? I'm serious. She can't understand it. To me... It's very, very clear if you do this, you hear better. And she doesn't get it. And she makes fun of me, but understand this is a woman, if she don't have her glasses, we've got to go home. <laughs> and I told her, when we get old and we're sitting on the front porch, rocking, every conversation we have will only be two words. Because I'll be going, what? She'll be going, where? <laughs> How does faith come? By hearing. By hearing. And hearing what? The Word of God. Now, I heard those two things my whole life. In the tongue is the power of life and death, and faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. I believe it. I accepted it just because it's in the Bible, and I mean, who's going to fight about it? Well, church people will. But I mean, other than that, <laughs> nobody ever told me why. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to help you to understand why in your mouth is the range from life to death and why your ears are the key to hearing the Word of God and the key to having more faith. And to prove all this, I want us to go to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to go to the beginning. I said to you earlier, had Adam and Eve obeyed what God said in Genesis 1 and 2, they'd still be here today. God spoke to me one time and He said, Son, every answer for all of mankind, Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. How many of you know God put into place everything mankind needed to live forever? They fell in Genesis chapter 3, and from that point to the last revelations, God had been trying to restore relationship with them that they once had. If you got that, wave your hand like this. Amen. Amen. So as we look, the Bible tells us in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. If you look at verse 2, it says darkness hovered over the deep. But in verse 3 is what I want to get to. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. For the first time in recorded history human history anyhow, notice what happened in verse 3. Tell me. God spoke. God spoke. And notice, He spoke, and if you look at the King James and many other translations, what He said is in quotations. So in other words, He didn't just think it. It wasn't telepathic. He actually said it out loud. And look what He said. Let there be light. 
Now, perhaps you've been taught he created light, which isn't an untruth, it's just not the whole truth. Because the whole truth is, he didn't so much have to create it, all he had to do was release it. Because God's mouth is the source of all light. Say every time. time. Come on, church, say every time. Every time time God opens His mouth, light comes forth. His mouth is literally the source of light. And so He didn't do a choreographed dance and go, voila. He actually said, let there be light. Look at verse 6 of Genesis 1. How does verse 6 begin? And God said, again in quotes, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. So I want you to be thinking as we look at these verses, we're going to go on now to verse 9. Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. How does it begin? How many of you see a pattern here? And what did he say? Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. Now, parenthetically, I want you to be thinking, he has spoke out loud in verses 3, 6, 9, and now let's go to verse 14. And you'll see that in verse 14, he is also speaking. Right? Here's what I want you to be thinking about. Who's he talking to? He's saying it out loud. Ain't no Adam yet. Who's he talking to? Because everything he says, he says it out loud. Look at verse 20. How does verse 20 begin? And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly. 3, 6, 9, and 14, He's been speaking to the earth. I asked you, who's He talking to? Well, He talked to light. He talked to the waters. He talked to the land. Now He's talking to the water. And He's saying, Let the waters bring forth abundantly. Some translations say, Let the water teem. Any fishermen here? You like to fish, brother? Are you big on fishing or catching? Because I prefer the latter. I prefer catching. If you've done both, there's some marked contrast. Uh, And wherever I go fishing, I like to go where the water is teeming. What does teeming mean? Abundant. Imagine looking at the water and it's just alive with life, with fish. So God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the living creatures that have life. And notice, let the earth and the sky be filled with birds. So get this image. God speaks to the light. God speaks to the land. God speaks to the trees and all the foliage that covers the earth. And now He's talking to fish and He's talking to birds. And He says, let the water team. So here's what I want you to get you an idea The water is alive. It's actually frothing. It's so full of fish. The sky. How many of you have ever seen when flocks of birds look like a a school of fish and they all seem to fly together at one time? The sky is almost black with birds. How many of you have seen that? That's what we had here. So the water is full of fish. The earth is filled with birds, none of which had ever laid an egg. Stroke your beard. None of which had ever laid an egg. And none of which ever would have had he not done what he did next. Look at the next verse. And God created great whales and every living creature. And now He begins to create the mammals. And look at verse 22. He says, Be blessed. Be blessed. And what does He tell them? Be fruitful. Multiply. Had He not said that, 
Those birds that he created at the outset, those fish that he created at the outset would have been the only ones we'd ever had. But they didn't create, they didn't multiply until God spoke it. Now, let me ask you. We see verse 3, 6, 9, 14, and 20 all begin, and God said. Question, why don't the other verses begin that way? Theme from Jeopardy. Short answer, because each of those mark a day of creation. And how many of you know you don't have creation until God opens his mouth? Stroke your beard. Now look at the next verse. And in the morning and the evening were the fifth day. And let's just jump for time's sake to verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26. And then God said, let us make what? Man. In our image. After our likeness. Let's stop right there. Again, weird. Can we agree? I mean, if you don't think this weird, you're not paying attention. For those of you who know this is weird, what's weird about it? Yeah, he's speaking in the plural. How many people do you know that do that? Are you hungry? We hungry. I mean, you're thinking, he's got issues. Did God have issues? No. How many of you know because he is plural? He's a trinity. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody on this side of the room say, he's a trinity. He's a trinity. In an exclamatory fashion. He's a trinity. He's a trinity. Amen. Now, as we look at this verse, he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So, this side of the room, use your deductive reasoning if he's a trinity. If he's a trinity. What do you know about you? Amen, sir. Very well. Let us all follow his lead. Everyone on that side of the room, what do we know about him? What do we know about the rest of us? That's right. And why are we a trinity? Because He's a trinity. We're made in His image. Now, He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are spirit, soul, and body. He's a trinity. We're a trinity. But if you're a car guy, it's more than we're just built on the same chassis. If you're a computer person, it's more than we have the same motherboard or the same processor. No. You're created in the image of God in that He created with His... Remember, it didn't happen until He said it out loud. How many of you know God creates the world? Let me hear everybody in this side of the room say, God created the world. God created Let me hear all of you say, I create my world. Amen. Everybody in the room said, I create the world I live in. Yeah, you do. You frame your life with your words. Let me just break it down where we all live. You got the marriage you got because of the way you speak to your mate. Come on. That's good. Drive safely, everybody. Did everybody leave on that? You got the kids you got because of the way you speak over your kids. Amen. You got the checkbook you got because of the things you speak over your own finances. You have the health you have because of the things you speak over your body. That's right. Come on, y'all. Yeah. Amen. For in the tongue is what? Power, life, and death. life and death. And who decides whether it's life or death? I do. Well, yeah, that'd be you. Now that ought to thrill you. Everybody smile real big. <laughs> Smile, I mean, don't count if I can't see your teeth. Show your teeth, smile. They may not be your teeth, but show them anyhow. Come on, y'all. Some of y'all are like, they're not mine. Go ahead and show them. You may not get to decide anything in your life. I'll just share this with you. Up until I was about 20, I knew what I wanted to eat and most times where. 
And then I got married. And my wife said, you're delusional. However, I will tell you what you want to eat and where we'll eat it. <laughs> now, I flew upstream in the early days, but uh, I like to go with the flow now, you understand? And even though I've been married a, a number of years, uh, sometimes longer than others, but right at 40 years, um, there's still times she's really pretty and she'll look at me and she'll go, baby. If she ever starts a sentence, baby, I get lightheaded and kind of off my game. She throws me off immediately, baby, and I'm like, she called me baby. <laughs> and she'll look at me and, and she'll say to me, where do you want to eat? And I mean, I'm thinking she really wants to know. <laughs> and so I'm like, she asked me. And so, I, well, you want to go home? And you know what she does? No. I said, well, you want to go to home? Kim. And I'm about to overplay my hand here. And they're pulling the reins. And I say, well, uh, you want to go to blah, blah, And she'll always go, is that the only three places you know? Married men, what do we say at this point? Well, where do you want to go? What we should have said at the outset. Now, had I said married women, what do we say? Every one of them would have also said, where do you want to go? They know our lines. And you know why they know our lines? Because they wrote the script. Yes. And they're smart enough to get us to play along. Where do you want to go? Until we finally say, well, where do you want to go, baby? So even though I'm not qualified to decide where I want to eat, many of you, man, how many other brothers in the struggle do I have here? Thank you, man. Even though you may not be qualified to decide that, you know what you are qualified to decide and what you will decide and you decide every day. Whether you have life or death in your life. Your mouth. Say it. My mouth. Governs my, life. governs my life. You want to change your life? How many of you know you don't need a resolution? You know, a lot of people, I don't know, December 20th, 25th, 28th, it kind of hits them. They have an epiphany. <laughs> Starting the 1st of January, no more chocolate. <laughs> I'm not eating any more chocolate. Coming Jan Now, tonight's the Last Supper, you understand. But on January 1st, no more chocolate. And we're getting a treadmill. That's right, we're going to buy one and a Peloton and other things of that nature. And I'm going to ride, I'm getting up every morning at 5 a.m. and I'm going to ride five miles and then I'm going to walk ten miles. Every day. You're like, okay. And you get the treadmill and the Peloton for three easy payments of $4,800 or whatever. You go to their house, I don't know, January 8th, 10th, 12th, you decide. 11 o'clock, still in bed. Hershey wrappers all over the floor. And you're like, what's up with this? I mean, I thought you were going to... Where is the treadmill? Oh, it's over there under them cases of Cokes and my clothes are hanging on them. <laughs> How many of you have noticed people buy treadmills and then sell them? Yeah. How many of you have ever seen this ad? Treadmill, like new. <laughs> Hardly used. That's what every treadmill has. You've never seen one that says, slap, worn out. If you lift it, you can have it. A resolution won't change your life. That's right. Change your mouth. Change your life. Why? Because in the tongue is the power of life and death. And why is that? Because God created a world from the beginning that responds to the spoken word. He spoke to the land. He spoke to the water. He spoke to the birds and to the fish. And they responded. That's why we sang a song that says, The deep cries out. That's why you said, if I don't clap my hands, the trees of the field will. The rocks will crawl out. 
Because God created a world where everything responds to the spoken word. Wave your hand and say, I know that's right. Amen. You're created in the image of God. You shape your world with your mouth. Now, there may be some of y'all sitting out there right now going, he's large and he's noisy. But I don't know that I believe that way. Yeah, I don't believe I, I don't believe just because you say something that that's the way it's going to be. Really? Really? There are men in this room right now who have a bed, a wonderful mattress which they paid for. But there have been occasions they didn't sleep on it. And it's not out of their choice. It's because of something they said. Don't tell me what you say doesn't impact your life. There are people in counseling right now, the world over, because of something somebody said. There are marriages that end because of something somebody said. There are lives that end because of what somebody said. There are people who lose jobs and get jobs because of something is said. Of course what you say impacts your life. And how many of you know you can ever go, time out? No. Constantly, you mentioned the, the Scripture about Genesis 8.22, seed time and harvest. How many of you know every time? Everybody act like you got a 10-pound bag of grass seed there in your hand. Reach out here. Yeah. Sir. Thank you. You know I'm checking you right here. You know what he's thinking. I'm on the back row. It's, this is a violation of code. I'm untouchable here. Not with me. Y'all figure this out. Everybody get your bag. Act like you're tipping a little of it out. Say every time. Every time. How many of you know every time you open your mouth, yeah. you're pouring out seed? That's right. Every time. Say it every time. Yeah. You can never call time out. I call times. There's none of that in real life. Every time. How many of you know if you're pouring out ragweed, what are you going to get? How many of y'all want apples in your life? Well, don't plant ragweed. Amen? Because whatever you plant, whatever comes out of your mouth, that's what you're going to have. Now you know why King David said, put a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Everybody put, up, put your hand up there and put your guard over your mouth. Was he trying to guard what went in? No. Isn't that different from today? Have you noticed how everybody today is concerned about what you're putting in your mouth? Are you going to eat that? That has wheat gluten in it. You're going to drink that? That's pure cane sugar. There's nothing of any food value in that. You're going to put poison in your body? Let me ask you, when we get to heaven, and we stand before, before we get to heaven, we stand before the throne of God, are they going to look at us and go, hmm, Stephen, these cholesterol numbers are disconcerting. <laughs> And Kim, I'm not even going to mention the body mass index. This is troubling. Is that the way it's going to go down? No. Jesus said in Matthew, you will give an account for every word. For by your words, you'll be acquitted. Or by your words, you'll be condemned. Because in the mouth, you tell me what's there, church? Life or death. That's good preaching. You govern your life with your mouth. 
You want to change your life? You know, a lot of people, you happy? Well, I mean, I wouldn't be if it wasn't for... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was all going good until... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a lot of people imply if it just had a different mate. If we just had a better house. I mean, if it wasn't for duct tape and bungee cords, our house would fall down. <laughs> I mean, I'd be happy if I had a car that wasn't broken. I live in the land of broken. Every car I get tears up. I just wish I had a job where I was appreciated and paid what I was worth. The inference be, if everything around me changed, well, then I would be happy. How many know God don't roll like that? He ain't going to change everybody else and everything else to make you happy. Now, He is going to change you. Everybody point at the back door. You know I was going to check. That's right. Everybody point at the back door. Brother, that's right. You know the drill. Everybody point at that back door and say, I'm going out different than the way I came in. How many of you could know you've been in church if you go out different than the way you came in? How many of you want 2019 to be better than 2018 was? Come on, y'all. Well, how's that going to happen? You're going to change how you talk. Well, it's complicated. Well, not really. Not really. Come up here, young lady. Y'all know what she's thinking? I knew I shouldn't have sat on the second row. Come up here beside me, right up here. Isn't she cute, y'all? Everybody show, show them your hands. Mm-hmm. Show them both sides, front and back. Tell them, say, I got blessed hands. No, say it so loud he can hear you on the back row. Say it, I got blessed hands. Say, everything I touch prospers. For His name's sake. Point at your shoes there. Say, inside these shoes are blessed feet. Because everywhere I put my feet, God gives that ground to me. Amen. Show me your hands again. What's your name? Madison. Everybody look at her hands. Point at them right now. Say, Madison. We noticed immediately. Those are blessed hands. And everything you touch is going to prosper. And we couldn't help but notice your feet, Madison. Tiny and petite as they are, that everywhere you put them, God's going to give that ground to you. Amen? Give Madison a hand. She did good. Was that difficult? No. But how many of you understand, if you want your life to be better, if you want your kids to be better, speak life. And where does that originate from? I mean, you got a kid that isn't doing well in school. Does this help? What's wrong with you? <laughs> and you got a brain in your head? I can look at you, son, and tell what's on your mind. Nothing! <laughs> now, that has a humorous quality to it unless that was your daddy. Can we be real? I mean, to show you that the mouth controls lives, there's some of you in this room right now. You've tried to spend a better part of your life getting over what your daddy said. Or what he didn't say. But whatever one of you in this room, everybody look at me. Let our eyes meet. I'm going to wait till everybody's looking at me. Whatever one of you in this room deserved was a daddy that said, Madison, you got blessed hands, baby. Everything you touch is going to prosper. 
and you've got blessed feet, everywhere you put your feet, God's going to give that ground to you. Amen. But that isn't what we all got. But how many of you know Jesus died and broke every curse, Amen. including the curse of bad parenting? Amen. So let that curse stop with you. Amen. Raise your kids up and speak life. Everybody say, speak life. Speak life. Now, how many of you know it's not natural to speak life? Stroke your beard. It's not natural. What does he mean by that? Well, let me explain. How many of you here, as a kid, went to school and had a death teacher? None of you? Well, me neither. Uh, in other words, you didn't have a teacher that looked at you and said, All right, class, everyone say this after me. We're going under. <laughs> Okay, now say this. We can't afford that. Okay, now say this. We'll never make it. <laughs> say this. Every car I get tears up. <laughs> Nobody had to teach you that, did they? All it took was the right set of circumstances. And it flowed right out of your gut. You've wrote a check for how much? Well, that does it. I hope you're satisfied. Our life's over. If you wrote him a check for that much, just take your hands off the wheel. There's no point steering anymore. Our life's over! <laughs> Come on, y'all. It's not natural to speak life. It's supernatural. Amen. Say it. God wants us to move. That's why you're here today. I mean, at the end of the day, you're wanting to come here and learn how to do supernatural stuff. To speak life instead of death. To speak blessings instead of curses. To speak hope instead of despair. To speak increase instead of lack. Come on, y'all. Yeah, See, God said you're a lender, not a borrower. That's right. God said you're above and never beneath. The head and not the tail. But how many of you know, even though that's what He said, if what you say is, we'll never make it. We can't afford this. We're going under. Your mouth can rob you of your destiny. Yeah. Yep. That in the Bible. <laughs> Let me hear y'all say, is that in the Bible? Is that in the Bible? Come on, say it like your brother-in-law would. Where's that in the Bible? How about the book of Genesis? How about the Israelites? God said, I'm taking you to a land of milk and honey, baby. <laughs> Let me hear y'all say, milk and honey, baby. <laughs> Come on, y'all are still in shock. Get over it. Everybody say, milk and honey, baby. How many of you know that's what God said? How many of you know there's ten spies went in and saw milk and honey, but came back and said, we can't do it. They're too big. God said, fine. You will decide what you have. And though it was His plan and His destiny for all of them to eat from vineyards they didn't plant, to drink from a well they didn't dig, to live in a 5,000 square foot home they didn't build or pay for, there was only two, Caleb and Joshua, who actually got it. The rest of them, their mouth robbed them of their destiny. Put your hand up there again. Say it. Put a guard over my mouth, O Lord. How many know Jesus said, isn't what you eat that will defile you? It's what comes out of you that will defile you. And we live in a culture today, Hollywood's so concerned about what people say. Have you noticed? Protest, protest, protest! Wouldn't it be something if all of the world was as concerned 
that all we speak is life and not death. Wave your hands. I know that's right. So why is it that faith comes by hearing? Because God created a world from the beginning where everything, the land, the trees, the fish, the, the birds, everything responded to the spoken word. That's why he said it out loud. And why is it that in your tongue is the power of life and death? Because you're created in the image of God. And in your mouth, you have the full range from life to death. Last verse we're going to look at. Turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 11. However, before we look there, I want everybody to do this. Everybody raise your right hand. Now take your right hand and I want you to take it. And to the person next to you, I want you to just kind of reassure them gently. Tell them, say, it's going to be all right. Tell them, just say, I don't think he's going to preach much longer. Did, did that make it better? Okay, now wave at me with that hand. Say, take your time. Take your time. <laughs> Some of y'all waved your hand, but you didn't say nothing. <laughs> Some of y'all thinking right now, time we get out of here, it ain't going to be no shrimp. <laughs> all right, the chicken's gone now too, Harry. I hope you like potted meat and spam. That's all we're going to get when we get out of here. See? Well, you're in high cotton there, brother. That's all right. I marvel how many people go to a restaurant and they want all they can eat. Y'all notice? Let's be real. Come on, y'all. If I said catfish, y'all be, hey. I felt my baby leap within me when you said that. Catfish. You want all you can eat catfish? Well, that's where we're going. Glory to God. They got shrimp too now. You like barbecue? Oh, glory to God. Let's just, let's just stop a minute and just think about barbecue. If I said barbecue, if I said fried shrimp, you could take me where I can get all I can eat. You know why? Because you're church people. <laughs> church people know that stuff. But I marvel how many church people want all they can eat when they get to the buffet, but when they come to church... Well, we, we just like four Happy Meals to go. <laughs> Wave again. Say, so take your time. Take your time. Bro. Take your time. Mark 11, verse 20. It says, In the morning they passed by and saw the fig tree. Notice it doesn't say a fig tree. It says the fig tree. So what do you gather from that? There's a very specific fig tree they have in mind here. Now, if you know the story that precedes this, you know which fig tree. For those of you who don't, let me just tell you. Jesus and his disciples the day before are walking by, and he sees a fig tree. And he walks over to it. What can you reasonably expect to get from a fig tree? Oh, figs. That's right. He goes to the fig tree, but what's up with the fig tree? No figs. It was figless. Everybody put your hands on your hip. Get that incredulous look again and say, You're figless! How many of you known somebody in your life that was figless? I mean, clearly it's none of you. But how many of you know someone? Put your hand on your hip again and say, You're figless! He went to the fig tree and it was figless indeed. And what did he do? He cursed it. What? Here come the snowflakes again. What? He cursed a Big tree. A poor defenseless tree. I thought Jesus loved everybody. 
I thought he healed people. He cursed a tree? Is that in the Bible? Yes. And why did he curse it? Hand on your hip and tell me. It was figless. So those of you here that are wise, who've already stroked your beard without being told, why did he curse it? Because it had violated the number one law God gave to every living thing He created. Be fruitful. And He used it as an object lesson for each of the disciples. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from Me, you can bear no fruit. But if you bear no fruit, then we do what we do with all branches that bear no fruit. We cut them down and what do we do? We burn them. Stroke your beard. You see, that was Jesus' way of saying, this is ahead for each of you. Apart from me, you can bear no fruit. And if you don't bear fruit, you'll be burned. So he looks at the fig tree. And they notice it because this is the one he cursed. And what did they see about it last line? It was dried up from the what? God does His work from the inside out, never the outside in. And so it dried up from the roots. Look at the next verse. And Peter goes over to it and says, Shazam! Golly! How many of y'all familiar with the new Redneck translation that's recently hit the Christian bookstore? He says, Master, look! The fig tree you cursed has withered. Did Jesus go over to it and go, It really has. Nope. In fact, look how Jesus responds. And Jesus answered saying, have faith in God. How many know what he really said? The more accurate rendering is he said, have the God kind of faith. Now, let's look at this. I've already pointed out two things in you in Scripture that were kind of weird. Here's a third one. You ever had a conversation with somebody and you say something and they respond in a way that's like out of Mars? That's sort of the way Jesus was all the time. Because they came to him and said, look, that fig tree. You remember the one yesterday? You could... Look at it. And Jesus said, have the God kind of faith. Now, admittedly, that's a bit of a strange response. Peter's talking about the tree. It's withered. Oh, Jesus says, have the God kind of faith, Peter. Why would he say that? Theme from Jeopardy again. Let me ask you this. How many of you in this room believe, as you're seated there right now, you have the same identical faith Jesus has? Raise your hands. Mm -hmm. Some of you have your hands up. Many of you, what did pastor do? Okay. All right. <laughs> and I like the rest of you, you're like, I play poker. I don't respond to anything. I'm, I, I just sit here like I didn't hear you. Now, you've had a little time. I bought you some time, so I'm going to ask again. How many in this room believe you have the exact same faith Jesus has? Raise your hand. Okay, a few more of you. Others of you still playing poker. And others of you going, do we believe that here? Is that in the bottom? Fact is, yes, it is. You have, look at me. Everybody look me in the eye. You have the exact faith Jesus has. Where is that in the Bible? Romans 12.3. Romans 12.3 says, He gave unto every man the measure of faith. So again, ladies, be discerning. Men, enter Sherlock. If he's passing out faith, what kind's he giving you? I mean, he's not going to big lots to get it. What kind's he giving you? 
What kind's He giving you? The God kind. Say it. I got the God kind of faith. Everybody in this side of the room said, I got the God kind of faith. Let me hear that side of the room. Everybody in the house. Yes. He gave it to you. And that's why Jesus said, Peter, man, you've been with me all this time. Haven't you got this? You wouldn't be sitting here marveling at a fig tree, but rather you'd be out what? Look at the next verse. He says, you'd be out talking to mountains. Fig trees would be child's play for you. You'd be out talking to mountains. Oh, whoops. There's some more weird. Think about it. Think it if you went to work tomorrow and they said, where were you yesterday? We missed you. Were you feeling bad? No. Well, what were you doing? Well, I was just out in the backyard doing what? God was talking to me. Really? What did He say? Well, He told me to talk to mountains. We need to send Smith to HR. There's a problem here. Why would God tell you you should be talking to mountains? Oh, wait a minute. Because that all goes back to Genesis 1. He created a world where everything responds to the spoken word. Now, so I'm sure I've got the right demographic. How many of you in here have a mountain in your life? The rest of you still lying, are you? Okay, well... That's... Let's be real. Some of y'all got a range of them. <laughs> your mountain may be diabetes. Your mountain may be glaucoma. Your mountain may be we can't pay our debts. Your mountain may be we can't conceive. Your mountain may be we've conceived. <laughs> Some of us have been there. What now, Hazel? Uh, beats me. I don't know. <laughs> Hold its nose. What are we going to do? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus said, speak to your mountain. Yeah. Why? Because it'll move. Yeah. Look what He said. If you speak to it and say, move! Be thrown into the sea. It will obey you. Why? Because God created a world where everything responds to the spoken word. If you're getting this, wave your hand and say, I know that's right. I know that's right. Did God tell you to climb your mountain? See, there's many of you here, the type A people. Now, if you're wondering, type A, I've never heard of them. Am I an A? Here's a deductive way to know. When the light changes, are you honking at the person in front of you? It's green, it's green, it's green! That would make you an A. <laughs> see, type A people, they see a mountain. Give me a flag, Harriet, I'm going to the top. <laughs> and your mountain may be that you smoke cigarettes. Your mountain may be that you have a a vile, cursing tongue. Your mountain may be that you're angry. Your mountain may be that you're hard to forgive people. And so you figure, i got to climb this mountain. But did Jesus tell you to climb it? And after all, what have you got to show for 30 years of climbing? Well, scuffed up knees. Three concussions. And of course this prosthesis. But I can feel myself now. And you feel like a failure, but you're not. It's simply that you're doing something God never told you to do. He didn't tell you to climb your mountain. That's good. Yeah. Now, others of you are sitting out there going, Tell them, preacher! I know that's right. I never climb anything I could go around. <laughs> Some of y'all, your whole life, give me that GPS. I'm not sitting in this. We're going around it. Some of you have spent your whole life, you avoid trouble at all costs. And you've been going around your mountain for 30 years. How'd that pan out? 
Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You're still trying to get around your mountain and you hadn't made it and you feel like a failure. But you're not. It's just that you're doing something God never told you to do. Did He tell you to go around your mountain? Did He tell you to climb it? What did He tell you to do? Speak to it. Everybody look me in the eye again. Don't get up and spend another day facing your mountain with your mouth shut. Don't spend another day of your life facing your mountain. We all have them with your mouth shut. Can I ask you this? Hadn't that mountain robbed you of enough? Huh? Speak up for yourself. Hadn't it robbed you of enough? Hasn't it destroyed enough? You're going to tolerate it in 2019? Because whatever you tolerate will soon dominate. What are you going to do? Speak to it. Why? Because God created a world where everything responds to the spoken word. Even creation. Stroke your beard. Say it. That's good. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. I got a revelation of this one night. The Lord said to me, Son, I made everything abundantly clear to creation, including mankind, in Genesis 1 and 2. If you can obey Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, you can be in full relationship with me because I made it available. And although sin has obscured and hindered, my son's blood has covered and rendered to naught the impact of sin in your life. And when I look at you, I don't see any stain upon you. To me, you're only holy because I see my son Jesus. The blessings I've done my best to share with you this morning are truths that impact everybody's life. Your mouth governs your life whether you go to church or not. Your mouth governs your life whether you own a Bible or not. Your mouth governs your life whether you're married or not. However, just because you're in church don't mean you're going to heaven. Just because your mouth governs your life don't mean that you're going to heaven. Just because your wife's born again don't mean you are. Just because you have a Bible with your name in gold on the cover in cursive won't get you to heaven. Jesus broke it down like this. He said, you must be born again. He said, no man gets to the Father unless he, comes, unless he goes through me. I'm the only gate. This entire day has led up to this moment. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, where I ask you a question that you knew the answer to when you got out of the car. And the question is, is your name in the book? The Bible speaks of the Lamb's book of life. Wherein, when you stand before heaven, they ask, is your name in this book? The only way it gets there is if you've said, Father, I admit I've sinned. I admit I've sinned. I admit my life's broken and I can't fix it. I need a Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Be the Lord of my life. The only way you'll get there, Paul said, is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not going to make you stand up. But I sense in the Spirit. There's more than one person in this room this morning. And you've never asked Jesus into your heart. I realize you're in church. That ain't going to get you to heaven. And it's not near as complicated as some would have you to believe. There's no forms to fill out, no lines to stand in. 
All you do is say, yes. That's it, yes. When you say yes to Jesus, everything in your life can change. And He starts with your heart. When you say yes, He changes the one part of you you never could. He does His work from the inside out. And He promises that when He does, He'll restore what you thought was forever lost. He'll fix what you thought was forever broken. And He will give you a path and a course in your life that gives you joy and purpose. And it all starts with one word. Yes. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, this entire day is culminated for this moment. Don't blow it off. Pay attention. That's the Spirit of God knocking on your heart. If you're here today and you've wanted the direction of your life to change, you want 2019 to be better, it isn't a resolution. You need your heart changed. And the only one who can change it is Jesus. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, but you're ready, if you'd like to exchange death for life, hopelessness for joy, despair for peace, then I want you to do something simple right where you're seated. I want you to just raise your hand where I can see it. I want to pray with you. Do it right now. I see it. You can put it down. I see it. You can put it down. That's three. And I'm not going to rush because... Spirit of God, show me someone else here that hadn't raised your hand yet, so I'm going to wait. The night I got saved, the man had to ask three times. Maybe you said yes to the Lord years ago, but you've been living in rebellion. I, I don't know your circumstance. And you know you need to rededicate. But if you're here today, and you know this message was for you, you have right now. You have no promise of tomorrow. you got right now for sure. There's three that have already said yes, but if you know this is for you, and you hadn't already raised your hand, do it now. I just want to pray with you where you're seated. Do it now. Do it now. I'm only going to wait a second. Is there anybody else? I see it. You can put it down. I see it. You can put it down. That's six. The Bible says when just one person says yes, every angel in heaven rejoices. we got six adults in here this morning who have said, this is for me. Six lives who are going to be changed forever. From this moment forward, because you're going to say yes to this simple prayer. Say, everybody in the room, pray this prayer out loud with me. Father, I thank you for loving me. Even when I wasn't lovable. Even when I wasn't lovely. I thank you for forgiving me of all my sins, of erasing my past, and of giving me a future. I believe Jesus died for me. His blood was shed for me. He was resurrected for me so I could have life. I believe that in my heart and I'm confessing with my mouth. I am going out different in Jesus' name. Church, can we give God glory for these six people this morning? Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I saw you raise your hands. Pastor did not. He's seated right here in the front. So before you go, if you raise your hand, I want you to tell him I'm one of the six. And I know you're thinking, why, why have I got to tell him? <laughs> Most important thing you can do when you get saved, tell somebody. Yeah. And if you can't tell him, how are you going to tell anybody else? Yeah. And let me finally add, I saw you, so don't make me have to come back there. <laughs> We've known each other right at 20 years. He knows this is my life. This is what I do on the weekend. This is my weekend gig, and I have a real job during the week. 
This is my 40th year of full-time ministry. For 40 years, 40 years, everywhere I go and minister, I do it the same way. I come in and the Lord made it clear to me. He said, son, don't ever tell them what you think. You tell them what I said. And he said, if you'll be faithful to tell them what I said, I'll be faithful to speak to them and they will bless you. Here's what I know. Everybody look me in the eye. I've shared with you at the outset what our ministry is involved in. We try to do everything with excellence. Everything we take to the reservation, new, everything we take them free. 48-foot-long semi-trailers, clothes, coats, shoes, blankets, food, over-the-counter medical supplies, new, free. Everything we do in ministry, we try to do it with top-shelf excellence. I call it Jesus class. I know that's your pastor's heart, too. He's generous to me every time I come. But you know what allows him to be generous? You. The Lord told me, he said, son, wherever you go minister, tell them what I said. He said, I will speak to them. So I know, and I'm just being straight up because I know how God rolls. He's going to talk to each of you here. I mean, any of you here going, he'll speak to each of you. All I'm asking, whatever he tells you, do it. A ministry like ours only survives from the giving of people. All I'm asking, whatever he speaks to your heart, please be generous. Amen? You do the song, I mean, the offering however you want. We're going to play it too before we okay. go home. Amen. Sounds good. Did y'all enjoy that? <laughs> Amen. Now listen, um, you know, I couldn't say anything better than he just said, but, you know, the Scripture teaches us that Paul, you okay, know, let me, let me ask you this question. How many of you, how many of you would like to be, uh, yeah, like to be, be involved sure in, in the ministry that he talked about? Here. You know, reaching out to Native Americans, reaching, going out and touching people's lives, changing people's lives around the world. I mean, I don't know about you, but I would, I would love to be a part of that. Amen? Well, one way, the Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us, Paul said this. Paul said that when, when he was receiving an offering from one of the churches, he said, as you, as you sow into my ministry, you become my partner. And you partner with him through your giving. So as we, and that's a principle that's still true today, as we sow into Brother Kim's ministry, 100% of this offering goes to Brother Kim and his ministry, and we sow more, the church gives more, more on top of that as well. But, but as you give, it, you become partners with what Brother Kim and his wife's doing around the world. Amen? So I want to encourage you to be big givers. Amen. And, and let's, let's bless him. And as he leaves Lancaster, he even pronounced Lancaster right. So that gives, I mean, you ought to give a little bit more just because of that. Amen. That's right. <laughs> He's been here enough. Amen. But, uh, but I encourage you. So let's, uh, let's get our offerings out. If you're making checks, just make them out to Destiny Bible Church. And we'll, we'll just write one check and give to him. If you are giving, if you give by tithely and you want to sow into this, if you would, if you would go ahead and take an envelope and just write on there the amount and just put tithely on there because we don't see that immediately. And that way we'll make sure that we get him everything that comes in. And, uh, and just even if, you know, even if you're going to give through tithely, just put your name and the amount that you're going to give and write tithely on there. That's our giving app. And that way we'll make sure that we get that to him. Amen. So let me do this. We're going to, we're going to pray over the offering real quick and then we're going to, uh, we're going to give and then he's going to, they're going to bless you with a song. And, uh, and you'll be blessed by his ministry. Uh, I know we were blessed by his preaching ministry, but you're going to be blessed by his music ministry as well here in just a second. And then after they finish, 
um, after they finish playing, uh, you'll be dismissed, and uh, you know, make sure you stop by, book, by the book table. And uh, and if you were one of those six, I'll be at the back door. So make sure you let me know. I want to pray for with you. I want to celebrate with you, and uh, you know, and just help you any way that we can. So make sure you let me know that. And uh, so let's hold our offerings up. We're going to pray over our offering, and then we're going to we'll sow that. And as as soon as we finish praying, they'll start playing, and uh, and you can enjoy that. So Father, we thank you for the word today. Thank you for the power that you've put in our tongue and the power you've put in our lips, Lord. We thank you for that in the words. And Father, we just pray blessings upon Kim and Susan Clout and their ministry. And we thank you, Father, for meeting every one of their needs. And Father, as we sow this morning, Father, as we sow into their ministry, I thank you that we become partners with them, Lord, and we're. We're helping send them around the world, teaching and preaching and ministering to all these people that you've called them to. So we thank you, Father, for for the opportunity to sow good seed into good ground, Father. And we know that it'll, it'll bring a bountiful harvest for Kim and his ministry and also for us as well. So we bless you and we honor you, Father, with our giving. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank you in advance for your generosity and uh, just quick story behind the song. How many of y'all remember Sam and Dave? I'm a soul man. Yeah, those guys. Uh, they had a hit with a song called I Thank You. How many of y'all remember I Thank You? Anybody? Cool. Uh, and later, there was a little old band from Texas called ZZ Top that covered the song. And as soon as I heard it, I told you what I do is Holy Ghost Soul and Sanctified Blues. I realized that tune's got a message with a little tweaking that I think would work. So uh, look at your neighbor and say, he didn't have to love me. But he did. Things to eat, just so I can be obedient. 